0: On today's Compassion Radio.
1: I think if we really talk about the ends, Jesus simply said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. He said, bless those who persecute you. Blessed are you when men persecute you. And so when we serve the suffering church in those regions, when we bring a cup of cold water figuratively to those that are even persecuting the church in that area, we are doing what Jesus said to do. We don't have a game plan beyond that. Once Jesus calls us to do it, we do it, and that's success in my mind.
0: Traveling the road less traveled, and discovering the intrepid souls heading the same way. This is the Daily Journal of God's people strapping on their boots with the adventure of a lifetime, and often living to tell the tale. I'm Bram Floria, and thanks for tuning our way today. Who are the people who have influenced you the most? The people who have poured more into your life and faith than all the others. Well, by any measure, you could easily call them your heroes. It is a healthy thing to tell the story to others. Today, I get the opportunity to mind the memories of one of my mentors, as he tells the tale of his hero. And I'll throw in my admiration and gratitude for both of them. I'm the humble recipient of much wisdom and passion earned at the end of that long trail. Perhaps their stories will encourage you in your faith walk today. Well, friends, we're welcoming back, and hopefully not for the last time, a good friend of ours and a guy that's been behind the curtain for a number of years, and that's Carl Muller of the Joshua Fund. and He's also been on our board of directors for a number of years. Carl, welcome back to the program now.
1: Oh, Brian, it's great to be back. And Great to to do this podcast.
0: When I first thought about doing this particular interview with you, I thought, well, sad news begets maybe some downer programming. But I thought, wait a minute. We're not talking about something today that is a loss. It is a gain for heaven. It's a gain for the church, really. Because how many other people do you know that have lived almost 100 years and have been on the front lines of faith the entire time? Well, we're talking about someone you used to work for and someone that Norm held in high regard and they were good friends. And that is who we know in the West as Brother Andrew. And that person graduated the glory just a few days ago, and at the age of 94, no less. So I wanted to tackle it with some personal stories, people that have traveled and spent good time with Brother Andrew over the years, and why he was so important to a generation of Christians in America, and what that means for this generation who probably doesn't even recognize his name anymore. Yeah. Brother Andrew, talk to me about him.:
1: Brother Andrew. Well, I got to tell you, my first encounter with uh, Brother Andrew was at church camp when I was 12 years old. Uh, there you go. comic book. Uh, there were three comic books that the church camp store sold. Uh, one was "The Hiding Place with Corey Tenboom, and I thought that mm-hmm. was great. Uh, because, you know, uh, Nazis and hiding Jews was, you know, like amazing and the faith that she and her sister had. And then there was the cross and the switchblade. And I grew up near New York City. So like, you know, 42nd Street gangs and switchblades and, you know, preaching. I thought, man, these guys are amazing. But the one that kept my attention was God Smuggler, this Dutch Young men, uh, you know the comic book drawer had him as you know this it looked like a character out of i don't know archie's comics, you know or something yeah, it was <laughs> it looked like you know this blonde kid with a Volkswagen crossing communist lines, smuggling bibles, God smuggler would just grab my heart, and of course, millions of people read the, the the book God smuggler, but that really started me on 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 some dimensions of my spiritual journey and if you fast forward many years later in two thousand and three. I had the opportunity to become uh, the CEO of the U.S. branch of Open Doors, the Mm. the ministry that Brother Andrew inspired. I always hesitate to say founded because he never founded an organization. (laughs) He was always too busy smuggling and traveling and being with the brothers and sisters. But uh, the organization Open Doors uh, USA hired me. And the first thing they did was ship me off to Europe to meet Brother Andrew and to have an opportunity to meet some of the other directors.
0: When you meet a hero for the first time, you have a set of expectations. Exactly. What were your expectations before you walked into the room?
1: Well, you know, I don't think we really knew what we were going to expect. But what we got was this warm, congenial guy who I would later know to have a massive sense of humor. I'll tell a few stories about that. But he just brought us into his garage where he had his office. He didn't have, you know, sort of an international high rise or didn't even really have offices in the local open doors building. He kept his office in his garage and uh, asked if Kim and I would like some good Dutch coffee. Mm -hmm. And so he went off to the kitchenette to to make some coffee. And Kim and I were sitting on his couch and we were like literally pinching each other going, (laughs) we're sitting on Brother Andrew's couch. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, um, that began a, a nine year journey, working with um, Brother Andrew on many occasions, traveling with him to some of the more difficult places in the world and more challenging places. And I don't want to minimize because some of the stories I'm going to tell are are, are, are somewhat humorous, I hope, you know, and uh, kind of the idea of, you know, the the human side of this giant. But he truly did inspire millions to just go. that uh, So many times where I'd be speaking uh, with Brother Andrew, listening to Brother Andrew speak to crowds, and people would ask, well, what should I do? I, I feel maybe called to the mission field. And Brother Andrew would just simply look at him and just say two words, "Go, go. That's it. And so what can you do? And I know that Norm had uh, such a uh, profound respect and love. I was on Norm's program many times talking about some of the places we went and some of the things that we did. Um, but he led with love, he led with service, and he said, you know, anyone can be effective if they just go. And yeah. um, that, that to me, will stand out as a legacy of my Well, life. that is,
0: has informed kind of our working motto as a ministry for all these years, which has been, we have a ministry of showing up. Yes. And yes. if nothing else, to be an honest witness to whatever God puts in front of our faces, and then reporting it back to our people— Wherever they're bound. I mean we have listeners on the internet in many countries around the world, mostly yeah. through radio in America. Mm-hmm. But it's a generational shift that's happening. A lot of technology's changing. People are graduating onto glory, other young people are coming up. And we all feel this because yeah. we are on the cusp of the twentieth century Christianity meets twenty-first century yeah. opportunities and challenges and you are in your new ministry as your project this Joshua fund that you run now yep. is all about addressing communication needs and how to get the gospel to come alive for people in places where it's just not permitted so there's a huge amount of that gospel and bible smuggling ethic in the yeah. middle of all this that you learn from brother Andrew
1: boy brem you said it right that's it's the ethic it's the go You know, it's the Star Trek motive, you know, Mm -hmm. boldly go where no one has gone before Uh, to step into the hardest and darkest places. And I don't mean, you know, uh, just simply unreached people groups, but really the places where the gospel is present, but the church is hardly persecuted. So reaching into some of those areas with with the love of Jesus Christ is is so vital. I'll say this about Brother Andrew. Uh, He lived in what we would now call the pre-digital age. uh, You know, smuggling Bibles. Why would you need to do that? It's available on the Internet. It's everywhere. You know, I mean, but to remember in those days, if you did not have a physical printed copy of the Bible, you could not read God's word, Mm -hmm. you know, with Bibles on phones and tablets and on the Internet and, and, and you know, micro SD cards on phones and all kinds of things. Yes, it's much easier now to get a copy of God's word, but the the joy That I saw people have when we brought Bibles to them in some places that are even now pre digital uh, was remarkable. And Brother Andrew pioneered that. He found that people didn't have the Word of God in the 1950s in communist Eastern Europe. And he said, Well, we got to fix that. We got to go get them some Bibles. And yeah, it may be illegal (laughs) in this country's legal system, but we're going to go ahead and do it because God said it best. You
0: know, it's about higher authorities, of course, appealing to the kind of passion and the great commission, the great commandment, all those things become weighty for us when they have to be put in the balance. And we have to say, in the place and the time that I live, what is the higher calling? Yeah, that's right. And in the pre-digital age, you had anonymity. Once you received the Bible, you could hide it. You still had your secrecy. Yeah, exactly. And you know today that pretty much anybody who's receiving the word of God in whatever form... There's no secrecy anymore. No, we, we live in a surveillance state around the world, and that's just the reality of this generation and those going forward. That There's going to be some kind of digital trail on all of us. Yeah. So our understanding of what we can do or should do and how to operate within our generations is going to be a different calculus than what our grandparents and our parents went through.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's going to be that case. Uh, that still we're going to require, even though the the form for the boldness is going to change, we still need that boldness. We still need that. I love the way you said it, Brother Andrew ethic, to be able to go and and to to say, if they're reachable, they're winnable. That was another phrase that Brother Andrew would say all the time. People think, oh, well, uh, a terrorist like uh, Osama bin Laden at the time. I mean, one trip we were taking together in Texas, and I asked him a few questions about ministry, and he, he challenged me. He said, do you pray for Osama bin Laden's salvation? Mm. I said, no, I don't. Uh, And sadly, it didn't even dawn on me to pray for a terrorist's salvation. And Brother Andrew said that that is the most powerful weapon to defeat terrorism. Not military Mm. might, not guns, not, not violence. Those are the tools of the enemy. Go with love and believe and pray for the salvation of terrorists. And he said, that's the best way to defeat a terrorist.
0: And that's not theoretical either, is that's it? That's not theoretical. When, when he talks about that, I mean, I hear the stories from Norm's years back traveling in the Middle East, yeah. especially in the occupied territories throughout uh, Palestine, mm-hmm. that because he was willing to go, he actually had audience with people of great influence within the terrorist community, mm-hmm. within quasi-nation states, but not only that, Brother Andrew was that he made friends. Yeah. He made friends among what we would consider the enemy. Totally.
1: And I think, I think that's, that blows some circuits in some Christians' minds. Yes, it uh, does. That, that you can be friends. Um, but I always think that friendship with, uh, with those hostile to the gospel is one of the greatest tools to bring the, the true love of Jesus to places. I mean, it's easy to love people who love us people who are opposed to what we believe. Brother Andrew never never was gun-shy, literally gun-shy, uh, to walk into a camp of terrorists in the mountains of southern Lebanon or into the Talib areas of Afghanistan and Pakistan uh, and bring the good news of Jesus. I mean, I was with Brother Andrew when we met in uh, northern Pakistan with believers from a Muslim background who had come out of Uh, the very Taliban that just a few miles away, the U.S. forces were engaging in warfare against. And yet they had come to know Jesus. They had given their hearts to Jesus. And it was absolutely, it was absolutely life-changing to sit, of course, with an interpreter to listen to their stories of how Jesus uh, met them and how simple presentations of the gospel changed everything for them. After that trip, Brother Andrew continued to go into the the mountains of Pakistan and Afghanistan secretly and baptized believers. I mean, we're talking about awesome. him at the time in his eighties and, you know, just going in and doing it and not making a lot of fanfare about it. You know, never went in with logos, never went in with, uh, you know, big banners, you know, saying we're doing this. He just went in, he just did it. He just went.
0: Compassion radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. We continue to focus our relief efforts on the intrepid Christians getting relief to the front lines of conflict in Ukraine. Oksana Gorbanova is the tip of the spear on this project. Just last week, she and team members from our partner, Serve Ukraine, finished delivering aid that you provided through your generous giving. Here's how your gift made a difference this time. A refugee and orphanage center was quickly built in western Ukraine that Oksana's volunteers currently use to serve hundreds of new refugees every day. You helped to buy seed for a new community farm and garden that is feeding hundreds of people. You helped to buy a herd of cows that is now providing children with fresh milk. And the farm itself is providing work and hope for those who feel lost and without purpose. For all of this, friends, I say thank you. And don't stop now. Please give generously today so we can keep growing our Serve Ukraine project and supporting heroes like Oksana Gorbanova. I just finished recording a new interview with Oksana that will air next week, so plan to catch those broadcasts. And a final note about this. As you've heard, a massive retaliatory strike on Ukraine occurred Monday morning that took the lives of civilians all across the country. Well, we finally heard from all of our partners, including Oksana's refugee team, and thank God, all have been spared so far. But they're bracing for a brand new wave of refugees heading their way. So again, please give whatever the Lord enables you to, to help us save more lives and deliver more hope. Just call today, 1-800-868-2478. Or write us at Compassion Radio, PO Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And catch us on the web, of course, at CompassionRadio.com. And now, back to the broadcast. We're talking about Brother Andrew with Carl Muller, currently of the Joshua Fund, and previously of Open Doors USA, and a whole bunch of other incredible projects that God's called you into. Now, Carl... I want you to keep taking us on the road with Brother Andrew, because that's where the story comes alive for you. You can see the places, you can smell the food, you can see what's going on. You can see the twinkle in Brother Andrew's eye, too, for that matter. So take us a few more places with him.
1: Yeah, I I want to tell one story that that kind of puts in in perspective just how unique Brother Andrew was. Uh, On one of the trips I went with Brother Andrew into Gaza... Uh, we were in uh, Gaza City. We had just come through the checkpoints. And if you've read about it or, or some of your listeners have ever done that, it's a, it's a pretty harrowing experience, frankly. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, something that I had never experienced before. We, we met a translator there from the Palestinian Bible Society. And another time later, I can tell more about that relationship. But Brother Andrew and I and, uh, and Al Jansen, and, uh, his co-author on several books, and this translator, Labib Mandanat from the Palestinian Bible Society, were all sitting for dinner at the Amarna guest house in Gaza city, which is kind of where CNN would do their reporting from. And right. if you ever saw a story during those years from Gaza, that was pretty much where it was. So it, was, it felt relatively safe, but it is in the center of the city. And, uh, there were protests at the time. I think there was a hmm. uprising of some kind and some incursions, uh, that had just taken place. And so it was, it was a pretty tense environment. These protests were marching in the streets and we could hear shouts and everything. And, and in the guest house courtyard where we were served meals, uh, we were sitting there at a low table, you know, the, the shisha and the, you know, the kebabs and all of the good food that we were enjoying. And this big hedge surrounded the courtyard to separate us from the main street, but we could hear everything. And Brother Andrew is on the phone with his wife Corey, talking in Dutch. I'm having a you know conversation with Al and Labib, and over the hedge, someone throws uh, a flashbang grenade. Boom! This huge grenade goes off. Al gets up, just bolts into the into the hotel. Labib and I are frozen. Uh, at, at the table. And, you know, if, if that's the purpose of a flashbang grenade, it certainly worked on me. (laughs) I I was, I was just sitting up for anything that happened after that, but brother Andrew didn't break stride. He just kept talking on his phone in Dutch. And you just hear him go, it was a bomb, a bomb. (laughs) Just like, of course it was a bomb and no problems.
0: What else do you expect?
1: What else do you expect? We're, you know, come on, you know, and you just keep talking. But I would say um, every time Brother Andrew was in a place like that, every time he had a remarkable, uh, you you said it, friendship with people in the region. And uh, on that trip and, and on other trips into areas like this, Brother Andrew's cell phone would buzz constantly with people from the terrorist groups in the area. you know, And you know mm. Gaza is, is politically led by a group that is on the official terror watch list. And there are other terrorist groups operating in that place. Well, we had a private meeting with the founder of one of those groups. Now, it's it's legendary that Brother Andrew had the opportunity to share the gospel with guys like Yasser Arafat and and uh, Mahmoud Abbas and, and other terrorist leaders in different places around the globe, including Indonesia and, and uh, the Stands as well. These these very famous meetings. But this was one that, that, that hasn't made a book or anything. But we had the opportunity to sit with Labib, translating between the founder of this terrorist group. I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to name it because I, understand. People I do. People people stand to start to look at my email too much. And then Al Jansen and Labib and myself, would listen as these leaders would speak from the Quran, very beautifully to try and you know explain what they believed. And Brother Andrew would respond out of the book of Luke with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, again, pinching myself to say I'm sitting here, and this is really happening, in Gaza City with the leaders of terrorist movements, and I'm listening to the gospel being proclaimed to them. It's, it it's like a poetry duel. Yeah. And I've heard
0: I've heard about going into Bedouin communities where you better have a song ready, because when you sit down, it's going to be entertainment for the night. That's it. That's exactly right. Whether they agree with you or not, whether they feel like I want to kill you in the morning, they still want to be deeply moved by what you say the night before.
1: But it was the friendship that Brother Andrew forged with these groups while Mm -hmm. they were on the run. He brought the love of Jesus to them in the form of cups of cold water figuratively and the blessing of knowing that somebody was praying for them. You know, you've had this experience, Bram. It doesn't matter what faith you're from. If you tell somebody, can I pray for you? Hmm. They will say yes, yes. And so we've had the opportunity to pray in Jesus name with with people in that in that part of the world, regardless of what their faith is.
0: Yeah. It happens because not just that you're there, but you have stepped into the cracks where the spiritual is leaking through like a gushing spring. I mean, <laughs> the need for intervention, for God to do something, for my suffering to have meaning, yeah. for my life to amount to something, for people to understand me, and for God to love me. Yeah. Those are huge forces in people's discussion and their conversation with you. Yeah. And because you're there, they have hope, mm-hmm. literally, that somebody's going to notice them and be aware of their situation. And when you bring the gospel back, it is a cup of cold water. But yeah. I got to ask on behalf of the skeptics back here in the West, to what end? Okay, we spent all this effort, and he goes there and loves all these people that we've been trained to hate in the West. And he sits down with them what good was it? What fruit comes out of these kind of efforts to be that personal with those who have been dedicated to the destruction of Western values or societies?
1: Sure. Well, I guess I would say it kind of depends on what you define fruit as. Hmm, because you if, if your definition of fruit, and I, and I mean this with no disrespect, is simply, does someone pray to receive Jesus Christ? You really don't, you don't see that. I mean, we didn't see that. Uh, now, There are those, and we know that God is doing that, to bring people to a personal encounter with the living Christ, and that is, I think, a byproduct of all of the exposure and and intentionality that the church has. But, you know, I think think if we really talk about the ends, Jesus simply said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. He said, bless those who persecute you. Blessed are you when men persecute you. And so when we serve the suffering church in those regions, when we bring a cup of cold water figuratively to those that are even persecuting the church in that area, um, we are doing what Jesus said to do. We don't have an insight. we We don't have a game plan beyond that. Once Jesus calls us to do it, we do it, and that's success in my mind because God is the one who's in charge of bringing about his purposes. It's not our purposes. I mean, believe me, when I, when I used to tell people I'm going into these different countries and these different places, they'd say, why do you go there? Because it's certainly not for a vacation. (laughs) You don't go there to enjoy it. You go there because Jesus said, go. Brother Andrew was always an inspiration. He never had sort of a pocket agenda to see people accomplish his purposes or something like that. His agenda was simply to do what Jesus said.
0: My thanks to Carl Muller of the Joshua Fund and previously CEO of some very notable organizations, including Open Doors USA, the American Bible Society, and others. I'm honored that he was willing to share with us today and to serve for a number of years on our board of directors. He'll be back next week with more inspiring stories of Brother Andrew, known to millions as God's smuggler. I hope to tune in for that. Be thy, name.
1: thy kingdom come, thy will-
0: And forgive us
1: our debts As we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil Line is the key.
0: Remember, if you missed any of the earlier discussion, the podcasts are available 24-7 at our website, CompassionRadio.com. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, B.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word Compassion to 53445. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.